Simulators ESG Summer School 2022. I'm Rachel Barrett and I'm a partner in our ESG team and I'm joined today by my colleague John Tan and we're going to discuss ESG governance. So we'll get right into it. John, could you tell us a little bit about why effective ESG governance is so important at the moment? Thank you, Rachel. So what we have been starting to see is that stakeholder expectations on corporate governance, especially in relation to ESG, are evolving rapidly. Boards are now expected to demonstrate that they engage actively with ESG risks and opportunities and can clearly articulate to shareholders and also their wider stakeholders about how they are ensuring that their businesses engaged with sustainable development and its future fit as the world transitions to a low carbon economy. So some of the key pressure points um, that I'll, I'll talk us through include um, a reimagining of director's duties. So even if director's duties do not specifically refer to any ESG factors, um, th these should be read through an ESG lens. Uh, a second pressure point um, is raised expectations from investors, with investors now being increasingly vocal about holding boards to account on climate and ESG more broadly. Lastly, on the regulatory front, um, we've seen regulators start to put ESG governance on the agenda. In, in the UK, we have the TCFD disclosures, uh, whereby companies are required to disclose their governance processes at the board and management level in relation to climate-related risks and opportunities. Similarly, in the EU, we, have, we see good governance being a big component of the EU sustainable finance agenda. Um, one example being the Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive proposal and also the Sustainable Corporate Governance proposal. So now, now with all of this um, increased focus on good corporate governance and ESG that we are seeing at all levels, Rachel, do you think you could talk us through what you think our clients should be doing? So this is a really interesting and and rapidly evolving area, and and most businesses will already be doing quite a bit on this. Um, but because it's such a broad landscape, um, now is a good time to to review your approach and really think about tightening things up. So we're starting to see boards really try and work out. Um, whether they have a, a good process for taking ESG risks into account when they make decisions, and also whether they have a good process for identifying ESG opportunities, whether that's something that features on their agenda or even their standing agenda on a regular basis and how they can make sure that happens. They're looking at competence, and you very rarely find one person who has all the expertise you need in one uh, neat package to tackle ESG um, and actually a combination of skills, backgrounds, competencies uh, and diversity is also really important to make sure you have the right competence at, at board level to identify uh, and address these issues. They're also starting to think about um, things like what information they receive uh, from the business, what reporting lines are in place, what gets escalated to them. Uh, uh, and whether they're comfortable that they're getting the, the right information uh, uh, from the right places um, and are able to exercise effective oversight. Uh, and finally, I think we're seeing a much greater focus on, uh, on corporate strategy and how ESG is baked into that, particularly on climate goals, um, on uh, transition planning, um, and then how uh, the, that strategy is disclosed to the market and whether there, there are robust controls uh, around how that is positioned. Now, obviously, that, that's a lot, and, and I've only mentioned a few things there. 
So actually getting yourself organized as a board um, is a key, key part uh, of working out how to tackle this area. And so we're starting to see people think much more about um, whether this is a whole board issue, uh, whether they uh, want to have perhaps a, a particular working group or committee um, dedicated to considering some of these issues and then bringing them back to, to the board. Um, what uh, role that committee should play if there is one? Is it advisory? Should it have delegated authority? Um, and what its scope would be. And that can be quite tricky. It sounds easy, but actually because ESG uh, permeates everything to some degree, you actually have to work out, even if you have a dedicated forum for it at board level, um, how that's going to interact um, with other committees, uh, which may already be picking up parts of ESG. Your REMCO might be doing that, for example, your nominations and governance committee, your audit committee may be looking at disclosures. Um, so it's not, not quite as straightforward as it sounds, and there's quite a lot of thinking that has to go into how you organise your oversight as a board, but certainly top of mind for, for lots of businesses. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. So we've talked about the role of the board in ESG governance and uh, a big part of this was overseeing implementation. So now going down a level, um, how would management implement ESG strategy within a business? So that that's kind of the million dollar question. Um, this is this is something that's really difficult to do, um, and that almost every business we work with is is really starting to think about. Um, and again, many will have lots of internal systems and controls uh, and governance frameworks that that pick up and address parts of of, of their ESG landscape. Um, but pulling it all together is really where, where the magic is. And, and that can be really challenging, again, for all the same reasons. It's very broad, it's complicated. Um, organizations are large, uh, uh, businesses and their supply chains are, are globalized. It's actually not an easy thing to put uh, robust governance uh, around all of this. But we're certainly seeing people start to think much more about uh, where in the business they need to have uh, controls, where the reporting lines are, um, how ESG is impacting different parts of their business. Uh, could be from investment decision making, could be advocacy, uh, it could be ESG considerations in the development of new products, it could be marketing and how things are being positioned externally. There's usually an element in, in every element of business um, that needs to be considered, uh, adapted, uh, so it's context specific, um, uh, suitable controls in place uh, that are practical and fit within existing frameworks. You don't necessarily want to create lots of new controls just for ESG because then it becomes unmanageable. So fitting it into your existing uh, governance programs where you can, um, and then making sure really importantly that, that A, information is flowing up to the places where it's needed and B, everybody's joined up. I think that's that's probably the hardest part of this uh, because ESG cuts across so many different areas and topics, making sure everyone's consistent in what they're doing, aligned with the ESG strategy, uh, and that information is flowing up and down and across, that's the real challenge. Um, but we're starting to see people develop more sophisticated governance frameworks uh, uh, that are then plugged into the board who can oversee them more effectively. Thank you, Rachel. So um, to our audience, if you would like to find out more about ESG governance or ESG more generally, we have a wealth of additional materials ranging from client briefings, bite-sized blog posts, to podcasts such as this available on our ESG homepage and Sustainable Futures blog.